I'm sorry I kept you so long. I, I thought that, uh, that uh, I said to Heather, I, this might go rather quick tonight. And uh, it didn't. But, but you know, these are, this, is, this is what we do. We, um, we come to, to, to learn from the Word of God. And um, this, is, this is life. So now are there any questions about, um, about the material tonight? There's a lot there. Aren't you glad now that I decided not to do the Trinity? Um, so midnight in Right, yeah. Yeah, we might just get to the eternal sun at midnight if we... I just wanted to clarify the, uh, the, the Council of Trent did that happen after the Reformation, right? Yeah, it was, it was a response. Answer, it was a response to it, and it took them, last, last time you said it took several decades or Around, around the 1540s to the 1560s, around 20 odd years to, to work through. Yeah. yeah. So this was a response, the Council of Trent was a response to the 39 Articles, not the other way around. No. Okay. So what happened? The Reformation, 1517, starts to rumble. Mm -hmm. These doctrines come out. Calvin, Calvin comes out in the early 1530s, starts writing his institutes. The institutes are written between 1530 up to 1550, um, and then various other reformers. Um, so 1517, 1540, the response of the Roman Catholics is 23 years later. It's quite late. Um, the response is to, pardon the pun, entrent themselves uh, in, in traditional Roman Catholic dogma and refuse everything that reformers have been saying. Cranmer is aware of Trent meeting, and he says, well, they're meeting, doing all, promulgating all of their error. He writes to John Calvin, and he says, we need to meet to band together to, to issue forth our own doctrine in response to Trent. So Trent responds to the Reformers. The Anglican Church responds to Trent to create a, a confession that the Church of England can... Um, but, but you would say that these, the Council of Trent solidified what the Roman Catholic Church believed. Yep, it wasn't anything new. Yeah. That's, that's traditional doctrine. It, all it did was to ossify and to harden it and to, to shut the door to any communication with the reformers. Yeah, and, and it's official church doctrine. It's never changed. And part of my, part of my um, you'll hear every now and then that the Anglican church is a via media. It's halfway between the, the Protestant and Rome, and that's so far from the truth. That, that is not true at all. We are not Roman Catholics. We are not near the Roman Catholics in doctrine. We are utterly Protestant, and um, I wanted to let you read through some of those doctrines from Trent so that you know what the stake was, what was at, what was at play in the, uh, in the 16th century, and how serious these things were. Because you can read through these martyr stories. Well, why did they get, what are, what are they getting burned for? You know, what, what are they, because the gospel's at stake. What we read through tonight is a different gospel. It is not the same gospel. Because if I have to work to earn anything from Christ, what does Paul say in Galatians to those? Yeah, you know, let them, be, if anyone says... If anyone says that I need to add anything to the work of Christ to earn my salvation, Paul says, let that man be accursed. Because you cannot add to Christ. Paul said it first, yeah. Paul said, let them be accursed. 
Oh, foolish Galatians. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I have a question about like, God um, and how we see God. Yes. Uh, so God is like displayed, I think only this is God is displayed through all of creation. Yes. Right? So like, we as ourselves display God to people who are creating yep. I think so. I think I think that the, the 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 because it's the in a sense it's the works of the works of God, the works of the works of God. So the 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 works of God advertise His glory, like we read in the Psalms, like the the, the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, and because we are His subworkers, we are we are the um, subcreators, uh, those made in the image of God, creating works. They're the works of the works of God. And, and yeah, they do, I think. Not as, I don't think as quite as perhaps powerfully, but I think that a poem, for instance, which is a piece of work, can and does, to various degrees, advertise the glory of God. Even from an unbeliever. Yeah. Now we have to be careful what we say it, but with Romans 1, because what nature reveals is God's naked power. It's, his, it's, it's the, the, the attributes of God's power. Nature <laughs> uh, doesn't unequivocally reveal God's love to us. Nature is terrifying. You know what the, the, uh, the anglerfish? The anglerfish, when it mates, right, the male comes along, or the, 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 uh, the, the, the female comes along, and it kind of... It kind of um, uh, or the male comes along, I think, one, someone, they, they join together, and the female dissolves the male, except for the, you know, except for the reproductive parts, and then absorbs it into herself, and then, you know, that's how reproduction, what a horrifying thought, you know, of how reproduction happens, kind of thing. I'm just going to absorb you, and take what I need, you know. Uh, what kind of God? You know, the uh, William, William Blake... Little lamb, little lamb, right? But then it's tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night. Who framed your fearful symmetry? What kind of God made you? You see a tiger ripped through flesh? You look at, I was looking the other day at great pictures of great white sharks. I this strange. When I was a kid, I watched Jaws. I was like four years old, and it, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even stay in the bathtub. I couldn't go in the bathtub because I was afraid of what was going to come up. So I have this weird kind of magnetic, I need every once in a while to kind of just look at a great white. And uh, I mean, they are the nastiest looking, when they lunge up in those, those gums, they're nasty. Now you look at a great white ripping through a seal and you say, God loves you, right? <laughs> so nature might reveal God's power. It doesn't reveal his love. The only way we can be assured of God's love is to see him hanging on a tree for us. It is the only place. There's nowhere else to look. Everything else is terrible. Your, your lives in various degrees will be terrifying. I was terrified when my parents were both swept away in a year unexpectedly. Things happen to us that terrify us. And the, the, the great trouble is to take what seems to deny the gospel in the world with what affirms the gospel in the gospel. 
that though the whole world says no, it's yes and amen in Christ. It's God loves me in Christ. That's I cling to the cross. It's the only place that I'm going to know that God loves me. And that's why I don't look in myself. I don't navel gaze. I don't stare in my, my liver to find out the evidence of God's love. How am I feeling and what's going on inside? I never do that. I just look at Christ. That's why all the, 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 the tangents that churches go on, all this, the silly stuff they do, that's why we only preach Christ. God forbid that I preach anything except Christ and Christ crucified. Why? Because if I preach anything else, it's going to lead me to terror and fright and great dismay. Because the world is a scary place. It's a scary place. I say that to my students um, again and again. I just remind them. I say the world's a terrifying place. And I hope that they'll have someone, because I can't say it to them in class, but there'll be someone to them that can say, I I'll show you a place that isn't terrifying. The place where terror was swallowed up. The dark place. The place of the skull. The Lord swallowed the terror of the world. Um, so yes, it does advertise God, but there's only one place that will advertise his love for us, um, and that's the cross. Any other questions? John? Yeah. Sorry, say that again, Lloyd. Some have um, exchanged cultural engagement yes. or expression for proclamation of the gospel. Yes. Um, how, like, I've banged my head so many times. Like, I'm a philosophy major in history, and somehow they just say, well, you're too rigid in your doctrine. Like, right. You're missing the, how do you kind of convey that? On the one hand, while we really are appreciative of, of like the attributes of God are shown in the way people think and everything, right? Um, that what we're missing is the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 not an either or question. That's part the part of the answer. It's never either or. We do show cultural sympathies and sensitivities. We are all things to all men, so that we can win some, right? Um, Paul, Paul did stuff that he didn't want to do. Um, I, you know, uh, in order to win people, I, you know, I. Um, so we need to bend like that and be be willing to, to, but never bending our doctrine. When Paul goes to uh, the Areopagus, do you remember he's he's very very culturally sensitive. He quotes their poets. Um, he 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 uses the the all these these statues as a way to get in. But then do you know what he says? Yeah, God's, God's been patient with your idolatry, but his patience has run out. Now you repent and you turn to the living God. So we've, in a church, we've, oh, let's be so sensitive. Let's be so culturally sensitive. We've got to get near them. We, we're, we're constantly building bridges, but we never go across and tell them to repent. That's the problem. When Paul's before Felix, do you remember what Paul says um, at, with, with Felix? Felix is got in, a, in an adulterous relationship. Paul's in prison, right? And Felix wants to hear what, 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 uh, what Paul has to say. And he brings him up, and Paul's in prison. Felix is in an adulterous, fornicating relationship. And uh, he, um, 
he gets there, and what does he, do you remember what he says, what he talks to him about? Talking about lots of stuff. He can talk about lots of stuff. Hey, how's Rome? Talk about politics. Let's, you know. What does he say? He, righteous, self-control. He's in an adulterous relationship. I'm going to talk to you about self-control, righteousness. One more thing, let's see. I'm going to talk to you about the judgment to come. I don't know, guys. I think that we've just we've lost the biblical pattern for how we do these things. We don't talk about judgment to come anymore. Paul talks about the very the three things that are going to offend Felix most. Why? He needs to repent. What does Felix say? That's enough. For, that's enough for now, Paul. <laughs> you know. We'll, we'll we'll talk some more later. And you'll notice that when Agrippa comes, King Agrippa, the same kind of Paul just goes right at it again. He doesn't try to get out of prison. He doesn't try to make things better for himself. He doesn't try to appease the crowd. He says the most unpopular stuff. And gosh, you know, darn tootin', Josh, we've got to get back <laughs> to that. We have to get back to that. Not, not just to offend people. Not just, that's stupid, right? Not Westboro Baptist stuff. But, but, Articulating the gospel and the offense of the gospel, for it's the offense that helps to save people. It's the offense that, that knocks them out of their, their, their ignorance and their days. It's being a, the offense of the cross that brings them in. Um, and we basically, we, we hamstring and we denature and we, we uh, emasculate the gospel, I think. Anyone else? Yeah, Nathan. I was wondering uh, for clarification about our theology on hell. Yes. Because before we had said that... Um, being? Pardon? Being? Um, huh? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> before we had said that um, we're all upheld by God. Yes. So without him we... Our being is in God, yeah. yeah. our being is in God. And so but then... We're without, how to be without God and yet in the being of God. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible doesn't explain that, it just states it. And um, that, that is one of the arguments for annihilationists, that, that if, if hell is to be really to be cut off from God, then hell must mean annihilation. It must mean the cessation of being. But the Bible affirms that we are, we are outside of the compass of God's nature, which is love. We're out of that. And yet somehow we're still upheld by his being. I think the best way to kind of think about that now is that even in this life, people can be cut off from the goodness of the Lord. That we, even in this life, have hells that we live on the basis of our departure from God. Right? And even in our Christian life, you can be removed. You're in God. You're united to Christ. And yet you are cut off from the, from the, uh, the, the uh, life-giving benefits of his presence in a way, his kindness, his graciousness. You're not aware of them. In the Christian life, that's the case. In the world, and many of us have been in the world and have felt the, the torment of life without God, and yet we were upheld by the being of God. So I think that the best way to understand that then is that hell is the, is the nth degree there. It's, it's the furthest degree. of It's what we already experience in this world living without the, the, the countenance of God. It's, it's the, the, uh, the Puritans used to talk about um, uh, 
desolation of soul. Periods of life when you go through, when God seems to hide his face from you. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt being in a season where you felt God has just hidden his face from you? It's, it's, it's not very pleasant. And so if that can happen for the Christian, certainly it happens for the world. I've been there. I've known the darkness of soul. Um, how much more in a place where God finally says, even the, because he reigns on the just and the unjust alike, right? He, 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 people who, who are without many of his, his gracious presences still are receiving the goodness and kindness of the Lord, even though they don't acknowledge it. What about that state when all that he gives them is sheer being, sheer existence, without any of his favored countenance? Just night. So here's another way to think of it. The, the day, remember the, the sunny day we had the other day? I lo- it's just, it changes everything, right? It just changes your whole day. It's like, oh, right? Cloudy, right? Cloudy is another thing. Night pitch. You know, at night we have the stars. We have a little bit of light kind of up there. Have you ever been in an absolute pitch black place? When, when we first, um, uh, we got, Heather and I got our, our first apartment, just, just about a week or two before married, uh, we were married, I was living there by myself uh, before the wedding, and um, we had a bedroom, the bedroom was a cave, it had no windows, nothing, big, big room, but it was totally uh, no egress, right, it was bad design, where's the inspector, and I woke up my first night, and I had no alarm clock, nothing. I woke up, it was pitch black. I did, I had forgotten where I was, right? It was my first night. I didn't, I was totally, I didn't know where I was. And I started groping. I got, I was just groping. I could not see a thing. Finally, I, I got to the, to um, uh, a closet. And the clo- in the back of the closet, there was, a, there was a fan to get some air out into the, it was weird design. And there was a fan there. <laughs> and I opened the closet and I, I saw, bit of light coming through the fan and I just <sighs> but that moment of sheer terror and utter darkness now what if what if and I and I, I don't think what if I think hell is something like that that it's existence but sheer darkness we're just left to ourselves without any of the light the countenance of God smiling upon us every unbeliever is smiled on by God every day of their life in various ways we say that in scripture when the smile stops and all of they get is the sheer frown of God and no light. Um, I think that's what hell is, is, uh, is meaning. So, long, long way. We, even in this life, we have existence without benefits in some ways. Or, or degrees of, of, degrees of uh, awareness of God, even in this life. But that's, there's mystery there, hey? Well, folks, that's a lot of, it's late, and I know everyone has uh, things to do. And so let's, um, so what we'll do next week is that we will, we will uh, carry on, and we're going to look at the Incarnation and the Trinity. And I'll try to make it shorter. We won't go as long next, uh, next time. So let's, uh, sorry, two weeks from now. Yeah, two weeks from now. Um, Father in heaven, we thank you for the truth of who you are, and it's our privilege to grow in grace and in the knowledge of God, and to know the truth because we believe that the truth sets us free. 
and that we pray that you deliver us from all error, all error of thought and error of practice, that we might be godly people who not only know the truth, but who live the truth, O oh God, that we might live unto God, we pray. And so God, shape us and mold us and make us ever more people of the word who cherish the doctrines of God, uh, cherish the image of Christ that we receive through these pages of scripture. And I pray that all of us would afresh and anew be able to enter into the full joy of the goodness of the gospel and what it means to us that we are prized by God as his special chosen ones in Christ, I pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And the blessing of God, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us evermore. Amen.